All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to episode 208 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Botano. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. The game starts now at Patano.ca. I'm Jason Greger, alongside Frank Saravalli. And uh, what a weekend it was in the National Hockey League. The uh, playoff races and seeding races, nothing is solved. We only know that Toronto is playing Tampa Bay and uh, might have to wait until Thursday night to rectify this. The, uh, the, edru- the NHL schedule maker and the NHL have to be absolutely thrilled with how many races are still available, Frank. Yeah, and they were getting crushed all weekend because there were no games on Friday night. I actually really liked having all 32 in action on Saturday. I, You know what? I'm a big – I think that was a great decision by the NHL, and I think they should do it once a month where you have a dark day once a month. I think absence makes the heart grow fonder. I'd have no problem with it. I get the scheduling challenges to do it every week because of you know teams that share buildings with the NBA, so I understand that. But if you wanted to make at least one day dark a, week, uh, a month, maybe even two, I actually think it would be good. People can reset, they can do other things, and then they're just like, oh, I can't wait for that next game. I think it's perfect. No complaints from me. We didn't even mention what I think is actually the juiciest race of the week, the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. What happens there? I mean, we've got five days left to collect as many ping pong balls as possible. That, to me, is there's nothing bigger in the NHL over these next five days than that. Well, uh, Columbus, Chicago have, uh, I guess they're in the driver's seat a little bit, but they do have their games in hand if they win it. So uh, they're with 56 points. Anaheim has 58 and uh, San Jose has 60. Uh, those are the four teams. And uh, it's just a matter of uh, where they're going to finish. So it's, every day, uh, Bedard, Bedard every can day help wake you, up. but he won't help you for a long time as far as becoming a contender. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I, First off, immediate impact player in the NHL next Oh, yes. Like, uh, closing in on a point per game next season. Uh, Yeah, I won't be surprised by that. But keep in mind, Ovechkin, Crosby, McDavid didn't make the playoffs their first year. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's do the math. Sidney Crosby was drafted in what year? 2005. Okay. 2008, the Pittsburgh Penguins are playing for a Stanley Cup championship. True. Pretty pretty freaking quick for a team that was one of the it was the worst in the NHL and was frankly on its way somewhere else. Now look, they did have a lot of help. They did yeah, get a Penny first. Flurry. So yeah, those things they matter, but it, it can be quick. It can it can turn around. There's no question. It, especially if you're a team like look at Chicago when they won the lottery and they got Patrick Kane, who who that's who I, I when I think of uh, Connor Bedard having an impact type career, that's the player I think of. And I look at Chicago and you know now they had, had Keith and Seabrook drafted 
uh, what, four and five years earlier and Jonathan Taves one year earlier, right? And then they obviously made some good free agent signings in Hosa. But I look at those teams, San Jose doesn't have really anybody else that's like a, a high-end guy. You know, they're going to hope that it's Eklund, maybe. Um, Anaheim's got some pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Anaheim's got some pieces. That That's the team. Chicago, no. So Columbus, they got more veteran guys. Like, if you're looking at a quickest turnaround, I've always said Columbus and, and maybe like Anaheim. If those two fan bases, obviously if any of them get Bedard, they'll be extremely happy. But those are the two that could have quicker success because they got better pieces around. Every day, wake up. The first thing I do, dailyfaceoff.com. We got a little tab at the top, Bedard watch. Boom. Yeah. Check out the Well, San Jose could probably use them the most because they're so old. But you think about, you know, Eric Carlson throwing uh, stretch passes to Bedard next season. I just, I'm so fascinated. It's a shame that we have to wait until May 8th for the lottery. (laughs) It's just so long. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? It'll build the hype up. It'll build the hype for sure. Um, well, we didn't have to wait very long. They were uh, hovering around it for a while. The Boston Bruins broke through the door. They did not waste time. They set the NHL record for most wins in a season with 63, beating the uh, 2019 Tampa Bay Lightning and the 1996 Detroit Red Wings. Now they're one point shy of, uh, of tying and another win. They will pass the, uh, the 1977 Montreal Canadiens, who uh, were a ridiculous uh, 60 wins, 8 losses, 12 ties for 132 points. It has been an absolutely killer season for the Boston Bruins. And they really, they haven't had any hiccup all year long. It has been one of the most dominant seasons we've seen, Frank, in a long, long time. It has. It, it's been incredibly special. I mean, an 819 points percentage is bananas. Their goal differential is insane. They've been so good. 33-4-3, and three, I think, on home ice. Like, come on. That's insane. However, I want to throw a caveat in here. I I view this record with an asterisk. Okay, and why? I know that your brain is probably exploding when, when you hear me say that, but to compare this record to the previous best single season records, I think is wrong. But Tampa had the exact same rules. Tampa's different. Tampa didn't actually set the record. They tied the record. And Tampa did not set the points record. The Bruins are about to set the points record. And they've now set the wins record. And it's a significant accomplishment. But to compare this to the 60-win Montreal Canadiens of 1977, I think is wrong. But they had, uh, because because of shootout wins? Uh Uh-huh. Shootout wins. Yep. So they'd have 58 to 60 is basically the difference. Well, no. Yes. Because Boston has 58 wins that didn't happen in the shootout. They had five shootout wins. So they have 50. No, but you're forgetting that ties existed. So they were in the spot where the, the Bruins only have 52 regulation wins. Yeah. 52 to 60 is a huge freaking difference. It's, well, a tw- what, it's almost a 20% gap. True, but you can also lose in overtime. Okay, I, I get what you're saying, but they won 60 games in regulation. Yeah. The year after that, they won 59. A couple years before that, they won 58, the Montreal Canadiens. It's, it's not this, we're not dealing with apples to apples, is all I'm saying. So to compare one to the other, the Detroit Red Wings, they played with ties as well. 95-96. They had 62 wins. That's a record. 63 wins now, it's not a record. Yeah, see, I guess I look at different things. There was this, there was no salary cap when Detroit set that record. So that's a it's a different rule that you abide by in the league then that you don't have now. Okay. Um, there was no NHL entry draft. It was the, it was a different draft strategy back when Montreal. Remember they used to have territorial rights? So that was a big advantage for them. Like, yeah, for me, but that wasn't the deal in 95-96. No, 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 but there was no salary cap. You could spend whatever you wanted. And back then, there was significant difference in spending, right? You had five or six. Like to yeah, me, and there were only, what, 20 teams, 18 teams? In 96? No, there was no, 20. No, in 77. Oh, in 77, yeah. There's fewer teams. 
right? So you, uh, you keep the guys, the free agency wasn't what it was like to me records. I agree. They're different, but it doesn't lessen it because the rules in the game evolves. I get what you're saying. And I'm again, I'm not shitting on the Bruins at all. All I'm saying is I kind of just, uh, I bristle a little bit with the idea that these two things are the same thing. Cause at the end of the day, that's all that's ever going to be shown in the record book is Bruins one, you know, 95, 96 Red Wings two, lightning from uh, 2018, 19, three. And then it's going to be those Canadians teams. And it's just, you're, you're smashing up a bunch of different eras and things into the same record. And that doesn't make any sense to me. It's like when the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs come out last year and say, oh, like we set a franchise record for points. Like, well, congratulations. It's a totally different game. Piling up all these OT points. Like it's, it doesn't even, it's not even close. Yeah. Well, I, I guess you could say if you want, um, when they go in the record book, they could still look at points percentage and, uh, and Montreal leads in points percentage right now at, uh, at 825. Right, which is uh, slightly higher than Boston, right? Which is a what I think eight nineteen today. So, um, you know, if, if you want to look at the record books, you, you can find different things. They have the most wins. Montreal has the best points percentage uh, all time. Right? I, I think they're both uh, impressive. I understand that that they're different, but I, I can't critique Boston because they have to play by the rules of the league. Uh, again, I'm not critiquing them. All I'm saying is I'm critiquing the record. Hmm. Yeah, it'll be different, but, you know, it's no different, um, you know, when in 1993, the most seasons of 100 points, the most seasons of 50 goal scores, well, they had two more games, right? And and even now, like when, you know, you look at, used to be 70 games in a season. So those players were going to be able to score more points now in 19, in 2023, because they have 82 games if they play all their games, right? So everything's always evolved and changed. Um I just look at Boston and now Tampa Bay did win 62 a few years ago and they got swept in the first round, but even Boston, like they'd be more dominant than that Tampa Bay team was because they still got two games left. They could beat them by three wins and Tampa had one more shootout win already at six than Boston's had at five. If, if you're not a, if you're big, I don't like the shootout factor. So, you know, what the Bruins are doing this year is amazing. And, and the yeah. thing is, Frank, um, Sometimes I wonder if, if we don't put enough respect on the president's trophy, because that's an 82 game award. Like you got to be really consistent all year long. And if the Bruins don't win in the postseason, like it's funny, Bruins fans are going to look at this season and be like, Oh, what a lost season. If they don't win, which is crazy to say, because you just had one of the greatest seasons of all time. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean anything. That's the problem. Well, but it does mean something to me. I, I think it means a lot. Like that's a, it's a longer period of time. Um, playoffs are very different, right? Because now you get up against one team. And, and as we saw with Tampa Bay, if you get a bad injury at the wrong time, that can derail your season pretty quickly. It can. And, and that's the amazing part about this Bruin season that hasn't been talked about enough is that no one really saw this coming. No. This was a good team last year that I, the way everyone sort of estimated it and certainly the way that I looked at it was they they got to hang on for dear life. They got to hope that they can be somewhere in the 10th place position in the East by the time Brad Marchand and Charlie McAvoy come back from their injuries. That's sort of how I viewed it. Yeah. They won Marchand- so much right out of the gate that it didn't even matter. Those guys was like, yeah, who? Which guys are out of the lineup again? Yeah, I, I think it helped because ultimately, like, Marchant really ended up only missing 11 games, which, you know, isn't isn't that crazy of an amount, right? It just happened that him and McAvoy were out at the same well, time, and McAvoy... Um, and, and they came back faster than expected. They were originally... Actually, it's only nine games. My apologies. Marchant's only missed nine. McAvoy's right? and, and, on, on track for 17 games missed, and it's... Um, no, he's missed. He's missed fifteen, right? Because he's played sixty-five out of eighty. Okay. So he's on pace. If he, unless he misses the final two games. Got it. Okay. My point is, those guys came back way earlier than they were originally projected. It was originally around U.S. Thanksgiving. Yes. Yeah. So that helped for sure. 
right? And they, and they've been pretty good. Like, and Hey, David Pasternak, man, what a season he's having 60 goals. He's got 43 more points and people will say, Oh yeah, Marshawn was hurt. He only missed nine games and he's got 43 more points than Brad Marshawn. It's unreal. Like you look at him. He has 60 goals, Frank. The next closest is Bergeron at 27. He's uh-huh. doubled any of his teammates in goals uh, this season. David Pasternak is having him sell. And obviously, Allmark and goal is being good. Like, I think because the Bruins are so dominant. But Nikita Kucherov won the heart playing for Tampa Bay in 2019, mm-hmm. right? Like, he was still elite. He led their team. Like, David Pasternak, um, I know there's a, there's a lot of people specifically in Edmonton saying, well, if McDavid doesn't win unanimous, it's terrible voting. And I'm like, you can make a case for David Pasternak. You can make a case for, for Matthew Kachuk. I'm not saying any of them are going to beat McDavid, but he was unanimous in 21. I don't know if it has to be unanimous for people to freak out. It's been an unreal season, but David Pasternak's had a pretty good year, and so has oh. Matthew Kachuk. They're both 40 points plus over any teammate. Both of them will appear on my Hart Trophy ballot somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, you know good for like Boston, Lena's like all Mark. You look at the season he's having, Frank. He could have the highest save percentage in a single season amongst goalies who play thirty games in history. In a or, normal sorry, year, he would be the Hart Trophy candidate or one of them. Yeah, well, he didn't play many and didn't play enough games for me to be a hard guy. I don't know. He's going to end up playing basically 50 out of 82. Yeah, but still, like, think about it. That's five-eighths of the season, right? Like, if you're the most valuable to you, based on the definition of the award, the most valuable to your team, when you're not 20 save percentage points ahead of the next closest guy. He's going to win the goaltending triple crown. Oh, yeah. No, he's been really good. Don't get me wrong. He's got six freaking losses all year out of 50 starts. Oh, yeah. He's been unreal. How 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 much more valuable do you want to be? 89 goals against in almost 50 starts. Oh, hey, buddy. Allmark's amazing. But in the games that he didn't play, they're uh, 23, 6, and 4. Like, they're still really good because... They have his... Yeah, good. okay. So let's, let's reverse engineer this, okay? So three-eighths of the season, to use your math... He doesn't play, and they have just as many losses when he plays in five eights. That's value right there. Yeah, no, I agree. It's value, but it's not. He wouldn't win for me. Like when you look when Dominic Hasek won, he was starting like seventy games. Okay, but his numbers were worse than Olmark's. Well, by one points percentage, it was nine thirty nine thirty seven. Man, no, I, I. But what I'm saying is, in any other typical year, he would like numbers this good. He would be there. They might I might get some votes. Goalies, it's hard, though, if you look at it historically, right? They're, the reason a lot of goalies don't get the votes for the heart is simply because they don't play enough games. Like, look at the Calder. Nugent Hopkins didn't win why. the Calder because he missed 20 games, which seems kind of stupid, even though he had the most points. That's Yeah, that's not how I look at it. I, I look at it as a voter as they have their own award. Like, a goalie must do something incredibly special to transcend that sort of barrier that exists because if not all you would be picking is heart for your heart anyway was would be goalie you'd say goalie is by far the most valuable position and you can't win without a good goalie so therefore your goalie is your most valuable player every year but if he only plays five of the eight games then to me he isn't it's not not a games played thing for me no, well, and it's yeah. not a games played thing for me for Olmark this year. I think 50 is a fine. I think it's the new modern day number. I don't think that many goalies are going to be exceeding 50. Oh, I, I agree with you there, but I think that's why they'll never win the heart because if for 30 games of the season, you're doing zero impact for your team, you're not that valuable. It lowers your value. But that's okay. You're making my point for me in the sense that I'm saying he's so far above the next closest goalie that he's one guy I would consider transcending that threshold for. But you won't vote for him. He, I might. He might be uh, in my top five. All right. He's so not going to be high up on the ballot, but yeah. he might be. Oh, well, voting for it, sure. But um, could he get a few fifth place votes? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I need to determine the literal. This is what it's going to come down to for. 
both Olmark and Pas- uh, not Pasternak, well, Olmark and Pasternak and Dreisaitl and McDavid is, if you are voting for Connor McDavid number one for the heart, which I don't know why you wouldn't, by that definition, he's the most valuable player, not only in the league, but also on his team, then therefore by the literal definition of the award, he can you cannot vote for Dreisaitl. Are you a literal voter in that sense? Because it's most valuable, the definition of the award, most valuable to his team. If McDavid is the guy, then you actually should not have Drysaddle on your ballot. Uh, yeah, you, you can look at it that way. Drysaddle's had a season, though. When you look at the guys who have scored 125 points in the last 20 years, you know those guys are up for the Hart Trophy, right? They either won it or they're second. And... Um, when, you, when you look at that, I, I think Leon Dreisaitl, Yarmir Jagger, and Mary Lemieux in 96, like it's rare to have two teammates this dominant, right? So you, you, there's not a lot of precedent set, but if you want to argue precedent, Jagger and Lemieux in 96 were both finalists in, uh, and with Joe Sackick, and uh, they finished first and second in league scoring by a fair margin, kind of similar to this year. So I, I think you could if you wanted to have both of them, but it obviously, you know, Dreisaitl is, is probably going to be near the, the bottom of your ballot because for people who don't know, you, you, get, you have five slots, one, two, three, four, five. So he'd probably near more the bottom simply because of that. But I think you could put him on there if you wanted. Yeah, I, I just are you a literal voter or not? I tend to not be, but I could understand why you would make the argument that, he sh- that you should be. Yeah, like the, you know, the, the races this year, there's a few that are tight, the, uh, the Selkie, um, yeah, which is always hard. I like to get a lot of feedback from the players on that one. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the Lady Bing is always the most difficult one to, to pick from. I will say this, though. It's a travesty the defensemen don't win it more. When your job is to be defending guys attacking you, I agree. not taking minutes, and like Jacob Slavin, right? The fact that's, that Nick Lidstrom didn't win that award is is ridiculous. He was the definition of the Lady Bing. I agree. So I, I've been voting for D-men for years. Oh, yeah, I think me it's too. so much harder to defend and not take a penalty. 100%. Jacob and the fact Slavin. that Slavin got through and did win, like that that matters. No, yeah. No, I think there's been a little bit of a change. We've pushed it for years because, you know, by definition, it used to just be a forward all the time. And I'm like, I don't think it needs to be. So... I'm curious to see what the Norris voting looks like too. Um, Cause that know, one I'm really struggling with. That's the only word that I really have any question about. Where are you leaning? Um, well, Hey man, I'm, I'm a big believer in history. And um, you know, I look at when you, when you lead the league in scoring, <laughs> when you lead the league in scoring by defense and by a fair margin, but when you lead the league in five on five scoring as a defenseman, the league on a team that isn't that like, it's not like you're a D man who's passing the puck up out of your own zone to pass it up to McDavid or McKinnon in flight. And they're just flying by guys. That's not what you're doing in San Jose. Right? Like Eric Carlson could become only the sixth defenseman ever to score hundred points ever. And so, um, and he's, and he's still outscoring teams five on five when he's on the ice, right. On a team that has terrible save percentage from goaltending. So yeah, he he's definitely he's still my he's my leader. There's other guys that are close. He's minus nineteen, and Again, I know plus minus is not everything. Look at it, what he is five on five. You can't my plus minus can when you're on for empty net goals against Frank, and when you're on what the plus minus of the San Jose Sharks, the reason they lose in three on three, they don't have the skill set of most teams. Look at their forward group. What do you mean he is the skill set? No, he's one guy, though. But look at the forward group. Who scores the most goals in, five, in three on three? Is it defenseman or forwards? It's forwards. I, I think we've lost the plot. I don't mean you. I just think, in general, when people look at this award, it's not who, it's not, the award isn't what defenseman scores the most points. It just, isn't. I agree. It's best all around defenseman. And I'm sorry, I, I have a really hard time saying that Eric Carlson is the best all-around defenseman. He's the best passing defenseman. He's maybe got the most gifted vision of any defenseman. He can do things with the puck that few defensemen can. But I have a hard time saying he's the best all-around defenseman. I really do. I struggle with that. Half the time, he's not even in his own end when the rush is coming back. 
He's at the I'll other say, end. I'll say this, Frank. At five on five, Eric Carlson, when he's on the ice, San Jose is plus five. When he's off the ice, they're minus 51, five on five. Okay. That's a now pretty significant difference. Pardon? Now do Quinn Hughes. Like, do a bunch of these other guys that are, I, I think are more well-rounded. The numbers are the same. They're equally as impactful. Well, they're not impactful offensively. Not close. Quinn Hughes has five goals, man. Carlson what, has wait, what does not close mean, though? Like, are we talking just points? Like, having 70-plus points and being a, near a point-per-game defenseman because all these guys have missed time with injury, like, what's not impressive? Well, it's not Would you it's trade not 20 or 25 points for a better, more well-rounded player? I would. So let, let's. So you brought up Quinn Hughes, right? So I'm, Quinn I'm not Hughes, saying Quinn, but I heard his stat on on Hockey Night on Saturday. What the what the numbers are for the Canucks with him on the ice and on the bench, and they're almost identical to what you said. His numbers are actually better. Yeah. Okay. So they're they're slightly better. Yes, but his individual numbers aren't close. Carlson has 31, 32 more points. He has double the amount of points five on five. He has almost four times as many goals. So if you look at, but I'm not. I don't care about points. You're missing. The, you're missing well, my point. You can't just ignore them. They're the I'm most not ignoring them. But I'm saying I'm not. All I'm saying is his numbers are still impressive. Sure, but they're not. But it's as not a, the award. Isn't about points. I know. So look at everything else and say, okay, if their goal for goal against ratio is close and it's a difference of 12, but then the actual offensive point production is a difference of 30. I'll take the 30 points and then say, well, if the guy is plus 12, five on five differential, the other guy's plus five to me, it's not the same. It's impressive. Yes, but it's not as good. Okay. Right. It's like David Pasternak's had an unreal season. Is it being as good as McDavid's? No, doesn't mean that it's a bad season. Doesn't mean that Quinn Hughes is a bad defenseman. But has he been as impressive overall? I'd say no. What Eric Carlson's doing is like something you rarely see. And he's doing it. And the other thing is, Frank, he's do, most defensemen, when they score points, they, they score their points because they have high-octane offensive players. Eric Carlson um, is going to be the first defenseman ever to have 100 points when he doesn't have a teammate with 80 points. I'm really – I don't know what to do with – we just talked about games played. I don't know what to do with Kale McCarr. Yeah, games played matters to me when it comes down to it, for sure. Like so, when things are all close and a guy misses you know, 20 games, season, it's going to impact right. it, for sure. Yeah, I agree. But I also think his year – first off, I think he's the best defenseman in the game. And yeah. I think he's the best all-around defenseman. But the award isn't – it's not a career award, right? It's best defenseman this year. But I, I – you could make the argument that even with the games missed that he's still been the best defenseman this year. His um, points per game isn't very far off from Carlson. He's played more minutes, which seems impossible. And he's been asked to do things during a stretch of time when the abs were missing players. He was playing like 32 and 33 minutes a night. He had nine of his 60 games this year over 30 minutes. And because of that, his point production sagged relative to his career norms because he was playing that many minutes and being asked to do that much more. Well, Andy has 17 goals. So he's closing in on 20 goals in 60 games, which is crazy. And he may hit 20 goals this week. And he has six game-winning goals. I don't know. I'm just like, tell me why Kale McCarr doesn't deserve consideration this year. If you want to say games played, I, I would understand with you. I just don't know if I agree. I agree. Well, if you look at his five-on-five five minutes per game, Frank, Kale McCarr is amongst defensemen. He's 31st in five-on-five five minutes per game. Okay, now do penalty kill. Is he up there that high on penalty kill? He plays four minutes a night on the penalty kill. How many minutes does Eric Carlson play a night on the penalty kill? Yeah. Yeah. So he's played on average 37 more seconds per game than Carlson. So good. But if, if you look at their total minutes on ice this year, Carlson's played 
480 more minutes, right? Okay, so how about time? How about penalty kill? Yeah, I'm just looking at all strengths. Okay, yeah, so penalty I, kill. I, but okay, penalty, let's, kill plays, penalty kill he plays more, yeah, and Carlson plays more five on five. What does Carlson play? 0.0 penalty kill? I haven't even looked. Shorthanded time on ice per games played. Let's see how far. So Kale McCarr is 40th. He plays two minutes and 44 seconds per game. His power play is 401. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I was going to say 401 on the PK was crazy. And I, I just, I can't even find Carlson on the page. I got to see how many pages I need to go to get to Carlson. Not on page two. Not on page three. Oh, not on page four. This is fun. There he is. 248th in the league. 23 yeah. seconds a game. There's only seven pages. There's only 327 defensemen in the league. And he finished 248th. Right. But, but again, look at the percentage of that. So you're talking an average of two minutes out of a game, and you're going to value those two minutes infinitely more than the 20 minutes he plays the most of any player at five on five. So if you actually, I'm not valuing them infinitely more. All I'm saying is all around defenseman. Someone that doesn't play on the penalty kill isn't all around. You cannot not play on the penalty kill and then say that guy's an all around defenseman. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, but all around to me, for the most part, it's like the two way forward definition. People love to, they bring up a two way forward because he's not close to being as good as offensively as anybody else. Now, Makar is different because he's elite, but Makar has missed too many games. He's played over 500 fewer minutes than someone. All I'm saying is this brings me back to the very beginning of our argument, not about Makar. Just saying, I don't think Eric Carlson is the best all-around defenseman. I'm sorry. I think he's the most talented offensive defenseman this season. That's not what the award is to me. Yeah, well, you got to so you got to weigh what you view as most important. And when he's on the ice, well, he isn't a defensive juggernaut. He's got infinitely more points five on five, infinitely more points five on five. And when he's on the ice, the Sharks, who are a terrible team, who are minus fifty one without him. Are plus five with him on the ice, so he can his offense. The best defense is a good offense. Lots of guys will tell you that. So yeah, he's I, not going to. I just think that's a. I, I don't get that argument. I know what you're saying. That's something people say all the time. You know, the best defense is a good offense. Like I'm sorry, he he's so far and away the best player, the best defenseman in the league. He spends all that time on the ice, and the San Jose Sharks are the 29th place team in the league. How's he helping you win? He is looking at their goaltending, dude. Like he's not gonna be he's not gonna be a messiah for goodness sakes. Okay. All I'm saying, all around defenseman. It's that's all it comes back to. Well then you can uh, I think we've beaten this to death. I'm just not voting Eric Carlson number one. Telling you that right now. That's fine. I disagree with it. But uh, when you see something that historic all time, I think people are trying to look for ways to say, oh, geez. Not that important. Still pretty important. There's lots of numbers mm -hmm. for, for me to look at. So there's lots of guys. Hey, it's to me, it's not going to be unanimous. It's a good debate. I just, just I'm not, I'm not doing it. Yeah. That's and if, he, if that's what happens, uh, that's what happens. Now the, uh, the playoff races to the uh, final week of the season, which is amazing. There's only one series still on Monday morning. That is a hundred percent certain. And there's lots of potential here on what can happen. Um, none of the Metro or the Central or the Pacific are 100% decided. Heck, Seattle is now, if they win their, because they have three games left, LA has two. And uh, if Seattle wins their game tonight, which they play Arizona, pretty good chance, then they would jump ahead of LA because of more regulation wins. And, uh, and suddenly LA would be a wildcard team with two games to go. Now, Seattle has to place Vegas head-to-head, -head, and that those two games will matter huge because mm -hmm. Vegas and Edmonton are battling for not only first in the Pacific, but also first in the Central, uh, or sorry, first in the West, and Edmonton faces off Colorado, who's the only other team who can finish first 
in the West and they battle tomorrow night, Frank. And you got to think for the Edmonton Oilers, that's a game that means something because as good as they've been ever since Jay Woodcroft came, they got the second most wins in the NHL since Jay Woodcroft's been hired. And Ken Holland's build a really deep team. Colorado is their kryptonite because they've played them nine times with Jay Woodcroft and they've only won once. They've lost uh, four straight in, in playoffs, of course, one being in overtime. They've lost uh, in a shootout once. They've lost in uh, regulation overtime, in the regular season overtime three times. So they're close, but they can't beat them. And um, that game Tuesday night, actually, I think means maybe more to the orders mentally to just say, can we beat this team? Fair question. I think, can they? I don't think they're sitting there saying, oh, I don't know, maybe not. Oh, no, they're competitive, but you know how it is, Frank. Some teams just have your number. And well, that's okay, but guess what? Regular season and playoffs are two different things, and I know you're factoring in playoff numbers. Every year's different. Yeah. And this Colorado team, I, I don't – I used to do this all the time when I first started out covering the Flyers in the NHL. I would always say, like, oh, man, the Flyers, they can't win in San Jose. They're 0-18-3 in their last 21 trips here. What does that even mean? Nothing. These aren't the same teams going head-to-head. This is a totally different Avs team, and I know they've played this year, and I know the numbers are what they are, but to think that this Avs team this year is as good as the one last year I think is wrong. No, yeah, no chance. So why extrapolate the numbers further back to include it? Well, okay, so even look at it this year. Edmonton, they haven't beat them. So I think they look at Colorado. What are the numbers? What are the goals for and goals against? Uh, well, they're only down minus two because they lost both games in overtime. Well, does that sound like a team that can't beat the other? Oh, yeah. I never said they couldn't. I'm just no, saying. No, but I'm saying I don't think even meaning. there's something in the back of their own mind saying this is a juggernaut team. I think the guys in that Oilers locker room are saying we have the two best players on planet Earth. We can beat any team. Oh, I don't, I don't think they're doubting themselves, but I think it's a statement game for them. A, because if they win, that guarantees they'll finish higher than Colorado in the standings, which means they have home ice if they meet in the third round, right? So that's uh-huh. important. But it's also, and, and, and you know, if you want to dig deeper from an Edmonton perspective, it would allow them to tie a franchise record or allow them to put them in a position to tie the franchise record for most consecutive wins in a season. If they win their final two, that'd be nine in a row. They've never, they've actually, as an organization, they've never won 10 in a row. Um so there is lots of other things on the line, but more so it's just seeding and the fact that if they beat Colorado and then Vegas splits with Seattle and doesn't lose the game in overtime or a shootout, then Edmonton will finish first. Hmm. Do you think it's worth something? I guess it is this year. Oh, I, I think, honest, I think home ice is, is, you look at New Jersey and New York and Carolina, I think home ice is huge there. I think uh, Colorado, Minnesota, Dallas, they all want home. I think home ice this year is could be the, the deciding factor for a lot of these teams because there's not a, a massive amount. I still think there are certain teams if I, you know, when they go head-to-head in seven games, you, you're going to see some teams. Like New Jersey's had an unreal season. Um, they don't have a ton of experience. They don't have a ton of size against New York. So I wonder how that series goes potentially. But that's why for them, you know, finishing first, you know what? Maybe they, uh, you know, maybe they get a, a team like Pittsburgh, for instance, in the first round, which I think would be way easier. Yeah. I was just looking at something, and because we started talking about it earlier, it's gotten me thinking. The Oilers are by far the – they have the most regulation wins. In the West, by far. They're second only to the Bruins in the entire league. Yes, and by a wide margin, it's mm-hmm. like Bruins 52, Oilers 44, and the next closest team in the entire league is is the Leafs at 40. Everyone else is in the 36, 37, 38 range. Oh, no, Edmonton's really good. I think No, I know, but what I'm saying is are, we, are the standings a bit of a misnomer in the sense that, like, are the Oilers actually the best team in the West? Oh, it's just I, I that they've argue- had the 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 – I'm trying to think of the best way to frame this. Have they had the least stressful wins in the league? Does that make sense? You're saying because they're stress level low. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, they they haven't relied on three and three and and shootouts to win as many games, is what you're saying. So, and I would agree. I think Edmonton has been, especially the way they're going, because since March first, they've been the best team in the league. You know, significant other than Vegas, actually. So, uh, and then Boston's right behind them. But Edmonton's quite good, and I think because Edmonton sucked for so long that. It's, it's hard for people to view the orders in any real serious light. And the other reason was is that they were giving up way too many goals early in the season. And that's a valid criticism because if you can't defend in the playoffs, it's hard to win. You can score lots, but eventually you got to win 2 nothing games and one nothing. And they did that against L.A., but then against Calgary and Colorado, they gave up way too many goals last year in the postseason. And that continued for much of this year. Now, a lot of that, though, if you actually dug into the underlying numbers – um, was say percentage mainly when Jack Campbell was in goal and he was playing almost half the games for the first 65 games. So, you know, you look at Edmonton since then, I, I, I think it's money puck had uh, Edmonton as the best odds to win the Stanley cup. Now they base that on who they have to play to get there. Right. So yeah, I think Edmonton, if you, Frank, if you gave me my four top cup contenders today, Boston and in no order, Boston, Edmonton, I have Colorado, although the injury to Makar is a wild card. And probably the New York Rangers for me would be my top four. Hmm. Who would yours be? So here's a better way to frame the question, I think. How many teams would you say have an authentic chance to win? Is it four? Is it five? Is it six? What's the number? And then we'll answer the question. Yeah, it might be this year. I might even put six to be honest. And who are your six? Boston, Edmonton, Colorado, the Rangers. Um, I think Toronto's pretty good. And I got to put in Vegas. Just Vegas just stunned me how well they played and, and overcome all their injuries. And so I can't count them out. I think I'm going to cap it at five. I'm not going to include anyone from the Metro. Okay. So no, no Canes, Devils, or Rangers. I'm going to say Boston, because I think whoever wins the Atlantic side of the bracket goes to the cup. Okay. Boston, Toronto, Colorado, Edmonton, and Dallas. Dallas. I think Dallas is really good, and I think they're playoff ready. Yeah. I think they grind. They have skill. I have some questions about their depth, but I think their depth pieces at least give them some identity. Their defense is incredibly mobile, and I think the Stars have the best goaltending of any team in the West, with all due respect to Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, that's fair. Here's my one concern about Dallas. Um, so I, I break down the numbers all year long. I keep track of them over year against the record against the lottery teams, which is the bottom 11. And then the other team, the other 21 teams in the league, because obviously you can't play yourself. Dallas has lost more games than they've won against those 21 teams. albeit only by one and 13 of them, Frank have come in overtime in a shootout. And I know that's not around in the playoffs, but they, they have dominated the bad teams as they should, but they struggled. And my only concern with the stars is their foot speed as a team come playoff time. I, I agree with you on their goaltending and Jake Ottinger, what we saw last year and what he's done in the regular season makes me say, you know, this guy can keep you in games better than most other goalies in the league. And, um, but I'm a little leery of their foot speed to put him as a legit contender, because I don't think if they got into a game, a series against Colorado or Edmonton, I don't think they can keep up. I think that's a fair question for sure. I just, I, I just think the playoff hockey is different, and and Colorado showed showed the uh, edge that they have with their speed last year and how critical it was um, on their run. They've also split more or less with the Abs this season. So you're talking about a, uh, season head-to-head records. They were one, two, and one. So on a points percentage, they got three out of eight points. So almost a split. Not quite yep. halfway. Yeah. Or, or you can say they won one out of four. <laughs> yeah, correct. But when it lost the other one in a shootout. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, hey, Dallas, if, if you if you want to get picked Dallas over Vegas, I can't make that much of an argument. So I totally see it. Yeah. I, I just no, I, I da- Edmonton's in there. I just I would say Dallas. I'm not a believer in Vegas. Okay. And that's fair. So I'll ask you this question then. Which team do you think has the best chance to go deeper than that isn't in your uh, you know, elite? Like who's the best team that can get hot or upset? And go deep. The Lightning. Tampa Bay, eh? Either the Lightning or the or the Kings. Nah. That's it. I don't like LA's like LA was rocking in March against really the come back to earth. Against the non-playoff teams, and now they've kind of come back down. And um I, I'm a big I look at head-to-head records against the competitive teams. That's a big one for me. I've really started studying that the last few years, and and both Tampa and LA are near the bottom there. Boston obviously is the best in the NHL. Uh, Edmonton has the most wins against, um, you know, the top 21 teams in the league uh, in the West. And then you have uh, Colorado. Toronto is actually quite good and Carolina in, in that regard. So um, like Carolina, just I'm with you. I, I don't think they have the guns come playoff time. I like that team three. all year. I yeah. just, these last five weeks have been ugly. Oh, the Svechnikov injury crushes them. Like, I, I can't get I can't get past the last five weeks. I really can't. Yeah, and that's fair. Now, some hey, and that's the crazy thing about the playoffs. You know, it starts new on uh, on April seventeenth, and then we'll see. But uh, I can't wait, man. I'm excited. That's what's so exciting about this week is this week actually matters for a lot of reasons, and uh, I think matchup certain teams match up better against other teams. And then certain coaches, those are the matchups you yep. look at to see which teams. And that's why this week really matters. I know Toronto fans are hating it because they've known who they've played for months, but you're the outlier. Everybody else has no idea who they're playing. And, and you, you should know, be thankful if you're a Leaf fan. Yeah, you've been able this to prepare. Setup has, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how oh, they should yeah. be happy. But look at the standings today on a conference basis. The Lightning are the sixth seed. The Leafs are the fifth. And they're yeah. nine points ahead with one game in hand. If you were ever going to get the lightning, given what they've accomplished, this is the year you want them. 100%. Quickly, Frank, final week. Florida, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, they have two games remaining. They've all won their last two. Florida's actually won six in a row. Florida's got Toronto and Carolina. The Islanders have uh, Washington and Montreal. And uh, Pittsburgh has Chicago and Columbus. Who's out? It's going to go against what I said. Because I thought the Penguins have enough veteran savvy. I just, man, so the, there is a clinching scenario tonight. I actually just retweeted this. The Panthers can clinch on Monday night, tonight. If they defeat the Maple Leafs in regulation or overtime, so any win. Yeah. And the Islanders lose to the Caps in regulation. Yes. So the Cats could be in as of Monday night. The same scenario, I believe, does not exist for the Penguins. No. No. Because they're a point back. And they don't have the tiebreaker. And they don't have the tiebreaker against either team. Like they're yeah, just they're all against two it. points back, really. Not good for Ron Hextall, I'll say that. Yeah. I think I think some wheels are in motion there in Pittsburgh. Ooh. All right. I don't have many more details to share, but I think if there is a, if they miss the playoffs, I think there's a very high probability that he's not back. And I think even if they make the playoffs and lose in round one, there's a high probability that he's not back. Well, I think, hey, it's not even making the playoffs. I think those teams, you want to, no offense to Carolina, but you'd much rather go in, in the seventh seed and, and take your chances against Carolina or New Jersey rather than Boston. So that's mm-hmm. uh, both Maybe. Florida and the Islanders. Even when they clinch, man, they want to get up there. Big tree fall hard. Just yeah. ask the Columbus Blue Jackets from 2019. Uh, or ask the fans at the Masters. Woo. Yeah. So that was amazing, by the way. This is wow. the best best weekend in sports of the year last weekend. Oh, that was crazy, though, man. Like, to see that uh, those trees and that nobody got hurt out of that. Oh, my goodness. I was actively, by the way, rooting hard against Brooks Kepka. A lot of people don't like Brooks. Eh? I find him. Do you, did you watch the Netflix series? I have not watched it. No. Uh, so it's called Full Swing. Yeah. I think, and he's so unlikable. 
See, him and his wife. I had other people tell me they really related to him because he was on the coach and he, you know, he was breaking down about he can't do this. And they're like, oh, I saw the human side of him. And they said that changed their opinion of him. Uh, I found him to be holy. Uh, in fact, I like, I actually was turned off by the whole series. I was like, oh, I don't want to find out anymore about Brooks Kepka. <laughs> and then he had that little thing against uh, at, at the Panthers game a couple weeks back. And he held up that cone for Ekblad in the, th- in the third period yeah. after that mistake. I tweeted out a picture of it as Brooks was getting waxed on Sunday at the Masters. Yeah, I was just like a fan there losing his mark. Yeah, well, guess what? Karma comes back around. Yeah. You don't do that to other pro athletes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, congratulations to uh, John Rahm. And I will say, though, man, I wonder how many PGA Tour people were just like, oh, my God, he's got to beat the live guys. He's got to beat the live guys, oh. right? And, like, Phil Phil finishes in a tie for second place, for goodness sakes. Yeah, but other than Phil, the live guys, like Kepka folded like a cheap tent in a soft wind. Yeah, well, so did lots of other guys, though, too, that were on the PGA Tour. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, good for Rom. He's a pretty good player. Really let's, good player. Let's bring in Tyler because we have a we have a beef to shred. Literally, Tyler's muted. Yeah, that was uh, that was going to be my first buy or sell question, Frank. I know exactly what you're getting into. All right. So, Jay, did you see this on Twitter on Sunday? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get yeah. Ask the question. So, buy or sell on pre-shredded cheese? Buying it from the grocery store. I'm selling all day, but I'll let you go. Jason, you're you're going to end up being the tiebreaker, so I'll let you go first. What do you think? I know where he's going to go. Oh, I'm selling all day long. It's disgusting. Like I, it's, it's got way too much extra crap in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm, I'm, I, you know what? It's funny though. Like, so we make homemade pizza every Friday at our house and my job is a cheese shredder. I love it. Like I love getting the big block of cheese and I'm shredding it. And I always put a little bit more than I want. And, uh, I do it right over the plate. So you don't need the little catcher thing. What's the point of that? I like to have it. So I just lift it up. It's on the plate. Then I put it all in the pizza. Then I use that plate to eat on. Um, I love shredding cheese. I find it tastes better. In the block, it's fresher than Biden in the back. Never one time in my life have I not bought shredded cheese. Why? It doesn't make sense. I don't even own a shredder. How? How do you live? Your children. How do I live? I I live like 99% cheese. Because there's no way shredded cheese in a bag has been around that long. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, it'd hug out in the dregs of the the corner grocery store. Yeah. Like it was down the discount aisle or something. I just, it tastes so much better when you shred oh, it from the block. Yeah, it's not, it's close. not even it's close. It's way better. That might, that might be accurate, but I'm, yeah. I, I tend to think that I'm like 98% of the people in this country, in this, in this, uh, continent that hold on. Let me, you guys both got your crack. Let me finish that time is of the essence. And that if you are making food that you are just, Taking it right from the bag and doing whatever you need with it. Taco <laughs> night, whatever it is. In fact, taco night, we don't even take it out of the bag. I just take the bag and just dump it right into the taco. Oh, Open God. the side edge and just get the little three blend Mexican Fiesta cheese and you're on your way. If your life is that busy that you can't shred trees, shred uh, cheese, you got to reevaluate what you're doing in your life. I don't think you're maximizing your time correctly. I don't know. That's what people kept saying to me. They were like, oh, you're M-Shock. You don't have any kids. You don't know what it's like. And I was like, get your kids to shred the damn cheese then. Like, I don't know. Like, what? You what? You don't have 90 seconds to shred a third of a block? I was so fired up about this last night that I had Amber time me for 30 seconds to see how much cheese I could shred. Like, three oh, cups of cheese in easy. 30 seconds. It was easy. How much, did, how much did you shred? Three cups of cheese in 30 seconds. Hmm. Oh, buddy, the shredded cheese. It for is those. It, is it really less expensive? How much less expensive is it? I that's up for debate. Some people were saying when it goes on sale, it's only like an eighty cent difference from like four bucks to three dollars and twenty cents. But still, like you're, it's twenty five percent more even when it's on sale. I don't buy for a second that you're not getting the value out of just buying the brick. Yeah, they're charging you for your laziness of not mm-hmm. shredding your cheese. That's just not a cost I'm willing let us to give know what, Let us know on yeah. Twitter. I'm going to say more people buy the uh, the blocks of cheese. Oh, you are out of your goddamn mind. Oh, There's the, no, no Frank. Way. No, no. Go read the replies you, to my tweet. It's you think, split. Wait, you think more people buy the block than buy yeah. the shredded? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, no I'll way. put up, I'll put out a Twitter. I'll put out a Twitter poll after yes. this. Yes, this is great. Uh, there's no chance. There, I'm telling you, there's no way. People buy way more shredded cheese. Look, go look at the aisle. Okay. Well, I'll go, buddy. I'm going to put it out on Twitter. You retweet it so people on on your timeline and ours can all vote on it, and then we'll see. Okay. Great. Well, how are you going to frame the question? You need to frame I'm gonna it say, objectively. Do you buy which one? How do you buy your cheese? Question mark. Yes. How and then shredded, pre-shredded, or a block? Yes. Those are the two options. Those are the Let's only two options. Yeah. You cannot pre you cannot muddy the water dirty. Oh, I water. won't. No, no, no. That's All my right. question. I don't need to muddy the waters. It's so okay. obvious. Okay. All right. I, I think you're wrong on how many what the percentage is. I'm gonna say it's it's like I think it's more than eighty percent by shredded cheese. Oh, you're, you're delusional. You're gonna, be, you're gonna be wrong, Frankie boy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh like maybe was, in Philly, like, this is, it's, it's I, fucked up that this is the best content that we've created. I want I want to know this, this though. How many Philly cheese steakhouses buy Pre-shredded, pre-shredded cheese. Oh, we don't shred the cheese. Yeah, it's sliced on. Thank you. Yeah, we slice it. Well, then you, there you go. But well, you it might come pre. Most of it's probably pre-sliced, don't you think? Maybe. Great question. I don't cheese. Know. The great cheese debate of 2023. Uh, all right, uh, let's get into the hockey talk here. I'll start you guys off with an easy one. You'll both agree on a buy or sell on Carlson's Norris chances. No, <laughs> we got enough. Dick. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with this one. I actually think, I imagine you're both going to agree on this one for real. Buy or sell on Chris Weidman's quote about the Leafs using an ATO goalie in their game. Jason, you buying or selling on his little chirp? Um, well, do I agree with them? Yeah. Buy, no, I, I strongly disagree with them. I know um, you can be frustrated all you want that you lost the game. The game was over well before the final 70 seconds. The final 70 seconds were irrelevant. That, that's not showing up. You're giving young Jet an opportunity and a memory of a lifetime for 70 seconds in a 7-1 game. If you want to say it's, if it was 3-1, to one, maybe I would buy it. It's 7-1. to one. That game is, your own coach questioned your guy's ability to show up. So I'm sorry. If if Weidman would have been that frustrated in the game, maybe they would have been closer. So yeah, I sell all the way. I will sell as well because I think you're right. The game was long decided, and you play against whoever is in net. You know, the Leafs lost. Everything kind of comes full circle. The Leafs, David Ayers lost. They had like 40 minutes and couldn't do it. Basically, 37 minutes, I think it was. However, I do think what was chicken shit about the whole thing was Sheldon Keefe saying, oh, I got a message from someone upstairs saying to put him in. Yes. I thought that was odd. Well, just own it. Even if you did get a message, own it. Because then next thing we're going to hear is, oh, well, uh, I was told what to do with my lineup. Or they told me this. Never really ends well. Yeah, like when, when the orders did this earlier this season, right? When Matt Berlin came in and, and Berlin played, I think it was like two minutes and 26 seconds, right? And the orders were, uh, the orders were handily uh, beating, um, oh God, who Chicago. were they beating? It was when we were in Jasper uh, for the Pond yeah, Chicago, right? Yeah. And so the game's over and Jay Woodcroft afterwards said, hey, Connor McDavid and the players came to me and they were the ones who wanted to do this. Cause I think the, and most players will understand like this is a, a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. And Connor McDavid was very quick to say, Hey, this was nothing disrespectful. And guess what? Not one Chicago player complained because they realized it wasn't disrespectful. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was really kind of, my eyes popped open when I saw what Weidman had to say. I was like, man, you guys are 23 points was- out of a playoff spot. It- the game didn't really matter that much. Wasn't even the best quote of the weekend. It wasn't. So, okay, let's go to that one. You buying or selling on Bo Horvat throwing a little shade at the Vancouver Canucks last night, Frank? Buying it and loving every second of it. The Canucks have been a drama, as, as my wife Megan would say, they've been a drama salami this season. <laughs> Pure drama all season long. He was tired of it, and... It's, it was a perpetual, self-perpetuating, you know, sequence all year. And the fact that he's out of there, uh, the fact that he got the bag, I don't know. I love it. Love to see it. I'm here yeah, for yeah, it. I'm buying it because I, I've seen many Canuck fans themselves talk about how 
how non-exciting the atmosphere is in their arena too many times. So basically he was saying, Hey, you know what? Our crowd, it was, it was exciting. It's way louder than it was in Vancouver. So is it a little bit of shot at the fans. Maybe is it a bigger shot at the organization. I think so. And, but more so it's know your audience. This is Bo Horvat. What's the best way to want to endear yourself to your fan base? Tell, Tell them they're, they're awesome. great. Yeah. And then it, it's basically like saying to your new, you get in a new relationship. Now you could say, honey, you're the best person I've ever dated. You are the best kisser I've ever had. You're now, the you best lady Right? Of course. That's what you say. You don't sit there and say, well, you know what, honey? Geez, uh, you, you, you say to your boyfriend, well, you're not the biggest. Of course not. You might lie. <laughs> you're going to say whatever you have to say. Like, come on, let's let's be real here. So Bor Horvat, he's in a new relationship. You're he's a in horse. a long-term relationship. He's just recently married to the Islanders. He knows exactly what yep. he's doing. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. All right. This is this. Have is... you heard that before? You're bigger. Uh, um. <laughs> uh, all right, we're wrapping up with one more. It is a hockey-related question. Uh, last year, we got 160 goal scorer. This year, we got two. I'm going to say next year, we get 360 goal scorers with the way scoring's going in the NHL with some of the guys in the league. I mean, Miko Rantanen got to 54 this year. 360 goal scorers next year. Jay, you buying or selling on that? Oh, God. I love offense, man. I love it. Um, and as you guys know, I love stats. So this is the 10th time that we've had two. Uh, 93 had five. That's the most you had three, two other seasons. Um, God, it's hard, man. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to sell. Unfortunately, I don't see uh three sixties. I'd love to see it. I hope offense goes up, but you need health for your top end guys. So I'm going to sell. I'm going to buy. I think Pasternak can get there. We obviously know McDavid can, Drysdale, if you really injected some truth serum, would tell would tell you that as special as the statistical season has been, has not been his best year. And I think he can get to sixty. I think Tage Thompson could get to sixty. And I think we're all forgetting about Austin Matthews. Oh yeah, he gets thirty nine goals this year. Why? And Kirill Kaprizov is going to end up missing, you know, fifteen games or whatever. Yeah, he he should be a fifty plus goal guy. Like I, I just, I could see him getting there as well. Miko Rantanen, that guy's on fire. He's right already now. got fifty four. I, you know, he he's a special player. I think he's sort of at the ceiling of what he can do. Okay. Fair or unfair? His previous career yeah. high prior to this year is thirty six. To think that he's going to go from thirty six to fifty four to then sixty, I'd be surprised if he hits fifty again. Well, yeah. I've liked Rantanen a lot, but yeah, 60 goals is hard. I don't want to like, it's really hard. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm selling it's because I think it's difficult, man. Like even, even in the years where the eighties were high scoring, you weren't going back to back years with two guys scoring 60 very often. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. All right, there you go. That's a wrap on this week's edition of buy or sell. Next time Fox we talk. Show. Yeah. Next time Fox. we talk, it'll be uh playoff. We'll previews. Know. We will, uh, we will know uh, who is, uh, who's in the dance. Um, we will have a little bit of a playoff previews, the, uh, the matchups. I think we'll split it up, Frank. We'll do the, uh, the... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. East on one pod and the West on the other pod. Otherwise, it'll be way too long. And um, it should be uh, exciting. We also, uh, depending, I wonder, Frank, is the NHL, is this going to be uh, NFL? Are we going to see a Black Friday or Saturday as far as coaches go, do you think? Or do they wait? I don't think it's going to be that numerous. So. No, no, but even if it's two or three. Oh, yeah. It'll, it, sometime, it'll happen over the weekend for sure. Yeah. It'll All happen right. over the weekend while there's no games and before the playoffs start. Have a good week, Frank. Uh, enjoy your taco night with your shredded cheese. <laughs> That's the sound of another sale on Shopify in store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.